are here um, with an advocacy group of ICASA. We're speaking with Carrie Ward. She's the executive director, and she is going to talk to us about the impacts that a recent Illinois bill is making for sexual assault survivors. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So we do know that yesterday, um, the Illinois governor, he did pass laws or, or a couple of bills, um, I understand. And what that is doing, it's helping sexual assault survivors. Do you want to tell us more about that? Absolutely. So there were two bills yesterday that the governor signed. Um, one of them was House Bill 5441. And what that bill does is it makes change in the law in defining consent to make sure that if a sexual assault survivor was voluntarily intoxicated, so the person who did who sexually assaults them is not the person who um, caused them to become intoxicated, they were intoxicated on their own in some way by some substance, that that person who assaulted them can still be held accountable for that crime. And what this does is basically basically closes a loophole in the in consent and making sure that if a person reasonably knew or should have known that the victim was intoxicated that they are responsible for having sexually assaulted that that person. And then the other bill that was signed um, is Senate Bill 3023. And what that bill does, it provides a number of expansions related to um, CECITA, which is the Sexual Assault Survivors Emergency Treatment Act, and helps in, in one particular way to address if a survivor needs assistance or support and their insurance is under the name of the offender, or perhaps it's a teen who has a parent's insurance, that that won't be billed, that, that will, those expenses could be covered uh, without that person being billed directly and sharing that information. And then also one of the things that it does is it expands the period of time to receive medical treatment after a sexual assault um, to 100, uh, 180 days, expanding that from 90 days, which is a significant adjustment and matches up with national recommendations from the CDC as well. That is, um, that's very interesting information. And one thing that um, I realized is, as we were listening to the actual press conference that was brought to us um, by our station, WNEM, and they talked about, um, we just heard from different sexual assault survivors. And one survivor told their story about how, because they had been drinking, then when they went to report what happened to them, um, they were kind of, Almost the way the survivors spoke of it is that that person who was taking their report really didn't believe them and made a comment about, you know, suggesting that they stay out of trouble. Um, can you talk to us about what sexual survivors go through? Absolutely. You know, I think um, the survivor who spoke yesterday was so incredibly brave, and we really appreciate her willingness to, to share her story and what her experience was and her advocacy for making a change um, in the law that will help protect future survivors. But the experience she had um, is not uncommon for a survivors where they feel blamed, um, where they feel told that, you know, in some way this was your fault or you should have made different choices that might have resulted in different actions. And we know that that is just not right. Sexual assault is never the fault of the victim. It is always 100% the responsibility of the offender. And it is not helpful for us as, as friends or professionals or colleagues to say to people, this is what you should have done differently, or your behavior should have been done differently. We need to recognize and support uh, folks who come forward and acknowledge they've been sexually assaulted. And we need to hold the offenders um, accountable for that. And that's true um, at an sort of individual uh, level, at a colleague or coworker level, 
And it's also true in our organizations and institutions, whether that be law enforcement, medical personnel, social service agencies, um, we need to believe and support survivors. So can you tell me kind of what has it been like, just the, what do those conversations look like between you, ICASA, as an advocacy group for sexual assault survivors, that dialogue between you as a community advocate and lawmakers, and how long did it take, how long did it take for this process to really come about for this legislation to even be something that was up for discussion in your state legislature? Absolutely. Well, we are fortunate in Illinois that we have a lot of collaboration that whether it's with uh, grassroots organizations like local rape crisis centers and statewide entities like ICASA um, and working with legislators, uh, working with the governor's office, working with other um, colleagues, law enforcement, medical personnel, there's a lot of collaboration we have and there are a lot of folks who are willing to come to the table and talk about um, changes that will benefit survivors. And that's a, definitely a positive. In this particular example, um, when the survivor, when Kaylin came forward, um, she, she really knew that she wanted to see a difference for future survivors when she understood that her case could not be prosecuted as it was. And when she was told that she didn't have, that she had very limited options for how to proceed, she didn't want that to happen to anyone else. And so in this instance, and this change with House Bill 5441, it happened very rapidly. You know, it happened in the first legislative session after her sexual assault experience, whereas other, um, other changes to the law can happen at a more incremental pace. You know, the changes in the CECITA law, um, we have come back, you know, year after year and continued to make small changes um, over time that continue to improve that law as it supports sexual assault survivors. So some some uh, adjustments are longer in the making uh, and others can happen more quickly uh, and we're willing to be at the table for both. And so now that this bill has been passed, I'm very curious, does that mean that same um, survivor that came forward and shared her story, does that give her any recourse or is it something that's just going to impact um, future sexual assault survivors? And it, it's sad that we even have to say that, but what will be the impacts of this bill um, for the person who really told her story? Sure. Um, well, I'm not a lawyer, so I won't get out of my depth except to say typically what happens once bills go into effect is the effective date of the bill um, is from that point moving forward. So typically if there's been a change in the law that has happened, um, then unless there's specifically some type of look back period that's built in, then it typically applies from the point of the law's passage um, forward. And so often it does not go back and pick up um, or create new opportunities for uh, folks for, for whom the law didn't exist when their experience happened. So I do think that that's one of the, the challenges that sometimes when folks come forward and make changes, they know that the changes that they're making are for future survivors. And, you know, certainly in our work, we, we don't wish there to be future survivors, but um, we know that we live in, in a world in which sexual assault continually happens. And uh, we want to be a part of one, preventing it, but for certain assisting survivors after they've had that experience. Absolutely. So what would, what advice would you give? Because um, you know, we've read statistics and sexual assault is something that happens at a very um, prevalent rate. And I'm sure that you're very tuned in with all of those statistics. Um, but what percentage of sexual assault is actually reported? 
So what we know generally is that less than 10% of sexual assaults are reported to are reported to law enforcement. What we see in rape crisis centers is significantly higher numbers than that. Folks often come in for counseling, for support, for advocacy, who haven't chosen to go either to the hospital or to law enforcement. And we try to make sure that we give folks those options and talk about what's available to them um, because we wanna see those numbers increase if um, that's the type of solution that a survivor wants. If someone wants to engage in the criminal justice system, we wanna support them to do that. If they want to get medical treatment or support, we wanna support them to do that. And if what they want is counseling um, or an opportunity to, to talk about their experience and be able to move forward in that way, we are here for that as well. So tell me more about what your organization does at ICASA um, and kind of what, what you stand for and what resources are available to community members. Absolutely. So ICASA is a network of rape crisis centers throughout the state of Illinois. There are 30 rape crisis centers that are part of our coalition, and they have an additional 58 satellite offices, smaller offices that are located in adjoining counties or communities. Um, rape crisis centers provide 24-hour services, 24-hour crisis response to hospitals or law enforcement. We provide counseling, advocacy, prevention, education, and we also work with institutions. We do institutional advocacy and professional training to try to affect change on a larger level. Level. Our goal as a coalition is always to um, work to end sexual violence. And as we proceed toward that goal, we want to make sure that we're assisting with changing policies and laws that affect survivors. We want to be sure we're working to prevent uh, sexual violence in the future and that we're providing services that can help with counseling and support for those, uh, for those folks who experience sexual violence to help them be able to recapture um, their lives in the way they experienced before the sexual assault. And so our end goal is always the elimination of sexual violence, but in the interim, we want to be a part of the change that makes sure our communities are responsive to sexual assault survivors and that we do our part to help prevent future sexual violence. Well, that is a very great mission that you have um, in the state of Illinois. And one thing it really made me curious about as I heard how this law, one of the laws kind of closed a loophole that provides more um, more recourse for those victims and survivors of sexual assault. Do you find that that kind of loophole that was in the Illinois state law, do you find that nationally? We, we really focus most on Illinois on Illinois state law and what options survivors have, um, ha have here in our state. We find in a lot of ways, Illinois is a state that is very protective of survivors and is very open to continue to change laws that help and support survivors. So we wanna be a national example. We wanna see if there are other states that are doing things that are more protective of survivors than, than we are we want to do it too, you know, and we also want to lead the way so that other states are following us. If we're doing things that, that benefit and support survivors and hold offenders accountable, we want to see that happen on a national level too. So we learn a lot from our, um, you know, coalition, other coalitions around the state. We learn a lot from how other states apply laws relative to sexual violence. Um, and we try to do good with what we learn. That is really great information. So the only other um, question that I have for you is what advice would you give to a sexual assault survivor and kind of how they navigate that process? Because I remember that you said just a little earlier that only 10% of actual sexual assault crimes are reported. So for someone who may have um, experienced that, what would you advise them to do? Absolutely. So the first thing that I would I would say to them is that we believe you and we support you. And I would encourage them to contact their local rape crisis center. Um, 
they in within the state of Illinois, all rape crisis centers have 24 hour um, hotlines. And so they can do that and they can seek services free of charge because that will help them talk about what the, what options are available to them. They won't be pressured to uh, report to law enforcement or to go to the hospital if that's not something they wanna do, but they will be given those options um, as something to think about that they may not have considered before. And so we would say to survivors, reach out to your local rape crisis center. And if that's not something you're able to do, um, to tell someone, about the sexual assault and keep telling someone until someone believes and supports you. You know, I think sexual assault is one of those experiences that we all hope never happens, you know, to us, but we know that it does exist in our society and rape crisis centers are here to help and support you if that's your experience. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm speaking with Carrie Ward. She is the executive director of ICASA. They are a sexual assault survivor advocacy group in the state of Illinois, uh, talking to us about recent changes to Illinois law that provides more support for sexual assault survivors. Thank you so much for your time today, Carrie.